the art and science of hacking our environment or modulating it to support our body is what biohacking is. Did you also know that this is a key element to becoming a radiant human through supporting our bodies to be as pure as possible? This is where deep eating radiance comes from an inside out approach to reduce inflammation, oxidative stress, and allow you to have powerful energy and the best sleep ever. Check out my top biohacking picks from supplements to EMF protective clothing, to water purification, air purification, blue light blocking glasses, detox options, and much, much more. Head on over to theschoolofradiance.com and check out my biohacking page. Enjoy today's episode right here on the School of Radiance podcast. Welcome to the Rachel Varga podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Varga, double board certified aesthetic nurse specialist since 2011 with over 20,000 rejuvenation procedures performed. I'm an international clinical trainer for other physicians and nurses as well, celebrity skin expert, having been featured on some of the world's top proactive aging podcasts and much, much more. Learn more at rachelvarga.ca and enjoy today's episode. Welcome, 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 everyone, to today's episode on the Rachel Varga Podcast. We have a returning guest here, Dr. Richard Johnson. And in today's show, we are discussing how sugar and hydration impact the skin and our aging process. Now, a previous episode on alcohol in the skin, which was an exclusive audio-only episode on the Rachel Varga Podcast, iTunes, and Spotify, that was actually an extremely popular one. So I'm very excited to be talking about sugar and hydration on the skin. And we're having Dr. Richard Johnson back because he is just a wealth of knowledge as an active clinician and researcher. So let me tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Richard J. Johnson, MD, is both a physician and scientist and is currently a professor of medicine at the University of Colorado in Denver. While he is highly regarded as a clinician, he also has been performing research for over 25 years with his work supported by the Natural Institutes of Health. He has been a prolific scientist with over 700 papers published that have been cited more than 100,000 times. He is best known for his research on sugar, its component fructose, and on uric acid, which is produced when fructose is broken down in the body. His most current book, is Nature Wants Us to Be Fat, which you can get in the show notes of this episode, which provides many new insights into what causes weight gain and how one can lose weight. He previously authored The Sugar Fix with Timothy Gower in 2008 and The Fat Switch in 2012 on Mercola.com. So what we're going to be focusing with Dr. Richard Johnson in today's show is our questions like, does sugar have a role in aging and does it accelerate skin aging? What is the role of good hydration in keeping a person young and the skin healthy? And what are a few pearls on how to live a long and healthy life? Welcome back, Dr. Richard Johnson. How are uh, you today? Thank you. I'm, I'm doing great and it's really great to be back on your show. It's Wonderful to have you back. Yes. So what's new in your space? What's new in the space of optimizing our hydration levels for skin, slowing aging, as well as any new research you're a part of? 
Well, we're doing a lot of active research. And, you know, one of the things we are doing, which you sort of mentioned, is that we're looking at the interaction of fructose and alcohol. And we've discovered that if you inhibit uh, fructose metabolism, you can actually uh, prevent alcoholism uh, or you can reduce the craving for alcohol is, is really the proper statement. And so, uh, so I'm, I have a grant on this and I'm studying this fructose alcohol interaction. Uh, we're also very interested in the interaction of fructose with aging. And we've been doing some work on that and uh, we're preparing a grant on this as well for the National Institute of Health. Uh, and so, uh, you know, your the topic today is really close to me because it's about uh, fructose and it's a role in aging and skin aging. And uh, and so it's a pretty hot topic. It's a new topic. It hasn't been studied that well, but there's a, enough information out there that I think we can have a, a fun hour. Lovely. Well, I will just say anecdotally myself for my skin, when I have a little bit more alcohol and sugar or foods that are processed that I'm just not quite eat, used to eating, I typically notice about two to three days up to this two week period, I might have a few extra breakouts on my skin. My skin might not look as radiant and glassy, or my eyes might not be looking quite as bright. So there's, uh, I'm assuming, some higher levels of inflammation in the body when we're dehydrated, and we're having more sugar and alcohol in our diets. What role does sugar actually have in aging? And does it actually accelerate skin aging? Well, I think it actually is going to turn out to be have a major role in aging. And uh, <clears throat> maybe what we can do first is just talk about it in aging in general and then move to the skin. Is, is that okay? That sounds perfect. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, to remind people from the last, our last discussion, fructose is a sugar. It's a carb. It's a com component of table sugar. And it's a component of high fructose corn syrup. Uh, it's also in fruit. And, uh, but I should say that um, what we're really talking about, the big impact of fructose, most of what we get is from uh, added sugars like um, high fructose corn syrup and table sugar. And um, these added sugars can amount to maybe one sixth of, our, of all the food we're, the average person's eating. It's like 15% of the calories in the body um, that we eat a day uh, come from these added sugars. And so we're getting large doses of fructose from, food, from foods that, where it's been added, like uh, processed foods and so forth. We can also make fructose. Our body can make fructose. And uh, our body makes fructose from, from carbs. So uh, especially what we call high glycemic carbs, like bread, rice, potatoes, chips, <laughs> things that we actually, many people just love. And uh, when you eat those chips and um, potatoes, the glucose in your blood goes up a little bit. Glucose is uh, the breakdown product from starch. And these are starchy foods. And some of that glucose gets converted to fructose in the body. <clears throat> so, uh, uh, so we can, we, we're getting fructose two ways. We're we're, we're eating it in the forms of sugar 
Uh, fruit juices are rich in fructose. Natural fruits, interesting, have some fructose, but there's things in natural fruits that kind of counter the effects of fructose. So like enzymes and antioxidants. Yeah, antioxidants, vitamin C, fiber, potassium, uh, flavanols, epicatechin, all these things that are in there can counter it. So when you're eating a natural fruit, you're eating a small amount of fructose, like five grams, um, compared to like 30 grams in a soft drink. And, um, and that five grams is being neutralized. And our intestine also neutralizes about five grams of that stuff a day. So, um, so it turns out that natural fruits are good. So I'm not talking, when I talk bad about fructose, I'm not really talking about natural fruits, unless you eat huge amounts at one setting, then it's different. Anyway, so fructose you can get from the diet or you can get it from making it from high glycemic carbs and uh, like rice, potatoes. And that fructose then activates a process that can cause inflammation as well as weight gain, um, insulin resistance, diabetes. And our work has really looked at this and we've discovered that it was really meant to be a survival mechanism initially uh, where animals will eat it and it helps them store fat. It helps them, it reduces their energy so that they can conserve their energy better, which is good if you don't have a lot of food around. So it kind of like prepares them for hibernation, prepares them for long distance migration. When you, when you metabolize fructose, you activate these processes that are meant to protect the animal, store fat, store glycogen, which is a type of carbohydrate, um, Raise your blood pressure to, you know, keep your circulation good enough. Maintain blood to the brain, which it does by inducing insulin resistance. Stimulate a low-grade inflammation, which is meant to help fight off uh, viral infections and things like that. So it's meant to be a good thing. And uh, But most animals, when they do it, they do it for a short period of time. They gain this weight, then they hibernate, burn the fat, and they're fine in the, in the spring or they, they get the fat. Uh, and all this, and then they fly 300 miles and then they and burn the fat on the way and then they go back to their normal normal life. Uh, but we, we keep activating this switch because there's so much sugar in our diets. And, and as a consequence, it's like causing obesity and diabetes. And one of the things that we've discovered is that it also causes aging. Um, and, you know, it was known... I mean, they were doing studies and I may have mentioned this before, they were doing studies in fruit flies and a fruit fly can do well eating natural fruit because, you know, it's getting the mixture of the fructose and other things. But if you give a fruit fly sugar, they die young. <laughs> they die very young. And, um, and they die of, uh, they get obese. Flies can get obese. I never knew that, but they can and they get diabetes and they can get kidney failure. And it's uh, and and studies in people have also shown epidemiologically that high sugar diets are associated with increased mortality, um, uh, you know, earlier mortality, uh, and and uh, evidence sort of suggesting that there could be an effect on aging. So we had a big big experiment where we we had a kind of a cool discovery. So. All, all animals, when they age, uh, what happens is your mitochondria, which are, make the energy in us, they start to decrease their energy production. Um, and there's uh, generally, uh, uh, as you age, you start losing muscle mass. 
a little bit and you start gaining fat and you start wrinkling in the skin. And, you know, all these things are kind of natural processes of aging. And, uh, and a lot of people think that aging, um, you know, what, for a long time it was thought to be universal, that it was going to absolutely happen. Um, but there's more and more evidence, as you know, and you've been teaching that aging is driven by chemical reactions and, and it's possible to block some of those chemical reactions. And it's possible to actually uh, maintain youth for a much longer period of time. And we see this all the time when we see some, you know, uh, you, you, you're, you're young, so I can't say it to you, but, you know, there are people who uh, are old who are actually look really young. Um, you're young and you look even younger, right? So, but, but anyway, uh, so it's, I mean, everyone has known this. And, the, and, and so obviously there's a big question about what's driving the aging process and can you block it? And so a lot of the things that people have looked at are, are things associated with aging there that, you know, a good, decrease with aging like sirtuins and, and all these different things that people are talking about. And uh, there's a, a substance called NERF, which is uh, an antioxidant in the mitochondria. And I have a, a group of friends I work with, uh, scientists, who are convinced that aging is due to a loss of NERF. And what that does then is it leads to uh, oxidative stress that damages our energy factories, reduces the energy we produce, we produce and, and does all these terrible things where we start to age. And a lot of it is uh, of aging is due to this. Uh, when nerve goes down, oxidative stress can't be blocked. And when there's oxidative stress, that can cause a loss of mitochondria. So the, the literature has been replete on the possibility that aging is driven by oxidative stress. And every day we get some oxidative stress and it's damaging our energy factories and it's damaging our skin and sun that causes oxidative stress, the UV lights. And so it's thought that oxidative stress is causing the problem and it's linked with inflammation. And so, and it's associated with a fall in sirtuins and it's associated with a fall in nerve. And this is like uh, a lot of people are writing books on this. And the, but the question is, you know, what's doing it? Well, guess what? When you give fructose to an animal, you induce oxidative stress. That's actually how fructose causes a weight gain. And it, it actually, fructose stimulates a substance called uric acid. And the uric acid stimulates oxidative stress to the energy factories, right? And then over time, the energy factories decrease in number. And, um, and NERF goes down from fructose. And sirtuins go down. And all, these, all the things associated with aging are affected by fructose. And what fructose is doing is it's, it's, meaning, it's actually hoping to be a good thing because it wants you to gain weight in the short term so that you have the fat to survive you know, stre a stressful period. But when you're eating it all the time, you just get this recurrent oxidative stress and then the mitochondria get, you know, initially they get hurt and then they recover. They, they get, they get, stunned and then they recover and the stunning is good because when the mitochondria slow down it allows uh it stimulates uh, the movement of calories to fat rather than to uh energy 
immediate energy. So what happens is you're storing fat. It's supposed to be good. And so, but when you do it recurrently, then the mitochondria get damaged. Uh, nerve stays low. Sirtuins fall. And guess what? That's what we call aging. So here is the, I'm going to tell you this. This is like, to me, it was a phenomenal experiment. We, uh, we have mice that cannot metabolize fructose. So these, these are special mice that have, where we've knocked out uh, the enzyme that is, that is really critical for fructose metabolism. So they can metabolize glucose. They can, they can do everything that a normal mouse can, but they just can't metabolize fructose. And what they do is when they metabolize, and when they get fructose, they just spill it out in their urine and they, uh, they, they, they metabolize, they do have some enzymes that can metabolize it, but they metabolize it like glucose. So they don't activate this biological switch that causes weight gain. So uh, I just feel I like I had a lesson in biochemistry here with yes, you. So sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. If I, if, I get, if I, if I uh, suddenly become unintelligible, please, <laughs> please. Uh, no, this is, this is lovely. <laughs> okay. I just, I just sent you a private chat message there. And I wanted to actually just reiterate something to kind of bring this all home and also point you all to a, resource that I'm a part of. It's the mitochondrial matrix, restore your mitochondrial matrix summit. You can register for this at rachelvarga.ca forward slash events and learning about how to enhance our mitochondrial function is imperative right now. So that is an incredible resource as well as I just like to summarize what you just mentioned, Dr. Richard Johnson, because I feel like this is a really important piece that I never learned in my biochemistry training. And I think that this is really important to help us understand fructose, how we eat, and then what can happen downstream on our aging process and thus impacting our skin via the mitochondria and uh, the sirtuins in the nerve. So when we have fructose, whether that comes from table sugar or carbs with a high glycemic index like rice and potatoes, we then get a conversion to uric acid, which then results in oxidative stress on the mitochondria and oxidative stress can lead to inflammation. And, but this is how this happens. And then when that oxidative stress occurs on the mitochondria, which is the powerhouse of the cell, the centurion, the sirtuins go down, nerf goes down, and then we have inflammation of the mitochondria. Now the skin is the largest organ of our body and you bet there's mitochondria in your skin cells as well. So if your skin cells aren't getting the optimal energy that they need to replicate and be happy and healthy, your skin will likely uh, show signs of oxidative stress in the form of post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation or PAH after a sun exposure or after getting a burn or an injury on your skin or a breakout, you'll probably start to notice things like sunspots a little bit more of, or even an up tick in things like eczema, psoriasis, itchy, irritated scalp, uh, non-ideal nail formation. I think the list really goes on. So we got fructose, uric acid, oxidative stress in the mitochondria resulting in a decrease in sirtuins and nerf. Did I get that correct? You got it right. And also it, aging in the skin is definitely associated with mitochondrial loss. 
And, um, and so it's this, the same pathway could be going on in the skin. And um, actually, um, you know, I am uh, planning to study this more directly in the next uh, year. Uh, but it's exactly what you're saying. Um, Can you expand and, on mitochondrial loss? Yes. So, uh, you know, this original mechanism was not meant to remove or kill mitochondria. It was meant to decrease the amount of energy the mitochondria produces. So it was, it was meant to temporarily slow down the factories. But oxidative stress in general if it's persistent, can lead to um, not just suppression, but damage and injury to the mitochondria. There's all kinds of um, systems to help heal mitochondria. You know, uh, our bodies have things called autophagy and these mechanisms to help uh, injured mitochondria recover and uh, or be removed if they're not. Um, but uh, what happens, it seems, is that, and, and it's been shown in experiments, is that chronic uh, fructose exposure causes the mitochondria to do a process called fission, where they break up and, and they become smaller and, uh, and less effective. But, and over time, there seems to be uh, an actual loss of the mitochondria. So um, we make energy primarily in our mitochondria. The energy we make to do things is really coming from the mitochondria, but there is an ancient system that also makes mitochondria that goes way back in time. And it, it I mean, that makes ATP, I'm sorry, makes energy. Uh, and it goes way back in time and that that's called glycolysis. So the mitochondria can make energy or ATP. And then there's a cytoplasmic mechanism where it's in the, it's not in the mitochondria, it's in the cytoplasm where you can make energy too. And, uh, but that usually is just a small amount of energy compared to the other. And as we age, there's uh, basically damage to these mitochondria uh, and they make less ATP. And there's probably a, in many, many people, a slight upregulation of this ancient system, the glycolytic system. And this is all associated with inflammation. And so there's uh, definitely uh, systemic inflammation. There's inflammation uh, locally around the where the cells are doing this, but it's uh, you can measure markers of inflammation, like C-reactive protein is is a classic one, and then there there are a lot of very uh, ones that are not normally measured in the in the clinic. But C-reactive C protein is something you can have measured in your in the clinic, and if it's greater than one it means that you probably have some low-grade inflammation and that's going to be associated with an increased risk for aging. Um, and so that's a simple little test you might do. It's called a high-sensitivity C-reactive protein or CRP level. But anyways, and, and this mechanism that I'm talking about, this fructose metabolism, tends to make the CRP levels increase. Okay, so now... Uh, we're going to get to the aging experiment that I wanted to tell you about. Uh, and uh, basically, we had these mice that could not break down fructose. They could not metabolize fructose. And, um, and uh, we wanted to know how long they would live and, and whether or not they were protected from aging. 
And believe it or not, just as humans get have aging uh, changes that occur in their liver and kidneys and brain and tissues and skin, uh, laboratory animals also develop aging. Uh, and th these particular mice, lab mice, typically start aging around two years of age, two to three years of age, and they rarely live more than that. And so we, we studied these animals on a regular diet. We didn't even put them on a sugar diet. And this is what was the striking part. They were just on, you know, uh, lab chow, you know, basically chow pellets and water. And, uh, and what we found was that they were completely protected from uh, aging associated changes in the kidney uh, at, at two years of age. There was like no aging changes, whereas the control animals, they had more fat, they uh, were um, had uh, tended to have higher blood pressure, they were more sensitive to salt, and the, in their kidneys, they showed all these changes associated with aging, but our mice showed no changes, they were lean, they had normal blood pressure, uh, and so they were fully protected, and it was like amazing, because I was kind of we, we were going to do the experiment with sugar and feed them sugar and see if we could block aging from sugar, but they were blocking just from the fructose that the body was making because they were getting almost no fructose in their diet. But just from the fructose we make, we're aging. And you can block, if you block fructose metabolism, you can block uh, a lot of aging. And uh, when we reviewed their diet, it was pretty much a carb, 50% carb diet, just like what people are, most people are on. And, uh, and a lot of the carbs were, um, you know, starchy. So basically these animals were on a, you know, a normal, I mean, it, 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 a Western diet usually has high fat, high cholesterol, high sugar. And, and this would be just kind of viewed as a, as a regular diet, like, like the diet, you know, being eaten, a hundred years ago when obesity wasn't so common, but, but the fructose being made is still driving aging. So this makes me think that aging is really due to fructose metabolism and that uh, we're all making fructose as sort of a survival tool. And it's causing a little intermittent oxidative stress to the mitochondria. And, um, and that, uh, you know, if you're eating a Western diet that's high in sugar, you're going to you're going to uh, age fast. But even if you're eating a, a regular carb diet without sugar, um, you're probably making enough fructose to cause aging over the lifetime of the animal. And so uh, it really raises the interesting possibility that we might be able to block a lot of aging by just blocking this enzyme. Uh, or, for example, a low-carb diet, one that uh, a diet that tends to um, not have a lot of glycemic carbs. So reducing your rice, bread, uh, things like this, if you could reduce it, I'm not telling you to not eat it. Um, and I'm also not telling you never to eat sugar, but I'm just saying that, you know, if you could restrict those things, you might just not only live longer, but look better as you age because... Um, because it's this oxidative stress is kind of recurrent and chronic. And over time, it, it can hurt you. Now, there are other techniques that um, you might be able to do to, to help block aging. 
And, um, and one of them is kind of a, a really cool trick. Uh, and, and that is, you know, so you're making fruit. If we, if we assume that fructose is the driver, and I, I really think it is because the sirtuins and all the things that people write about seem to be downstream of this. So uh, I really believe it's very likely this is the main mechanism. And then all these uh, other factors that are really important are coming out after it. So if that's the case, then the, the key question is how can we, uh, can we minimize the amount of fructose uh, we're making, not just eating? And, um, and one is to, you know, kind of carb restrict a little bit. And there's a lot of low carb people, intermittent fasting, for example, would be another way. So all these things are, are good, but there's a, the trick that I like is that, um, when we, what, the way that glucose is converted to fructose in the body, uh, is through another enzyme and that enzyme is really stimulated by dehydration and salt. And when you uh, give an animal salt, you activate the enzyme that wants to convert glucose to fructose. So that salted French fry, the salt is actually encouraging the conversion of the starch and the potato to fructose. So I, I believe that if your dehydration also does it, mild dehydration, and we just completed a study where, listen to this, this is like scary, Rachel, um, we took uh, laboratory mice and we exposed them to high heat, you know, like if they were outside in the real hot sun for an hour. And then we gave them, uh, you know, just small amounts of fructose. Well, not small amounts, but we gave them a little bit of fructose uh, following that to hydrate with. Uh, and, and or we gave them water or 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 we didn't do heat at all. We just did water and sugar alone. And what we found is that when they when with heat, they get a little dehydrated. And uh, and then the fructose is like twice as powerful at activating this process. And we also found that you didn't even have to give fructose. That heat itself could activate this process, cause fatty liver and things like that. So we actually think that dehydration uh, could become a bigger issue with climate, change, with climate change. And that as heat goes up and people working outside, what happens is uh, they may not get fat because they're working out extreme exercise, working it outside, but this heat is probably activating uh, this switch and accelerating aging, uh, accelerating skin, uh, you know, aging of the skin independently of the sun. You know, this would be an additive factor. So hydration becomes very important and not hydration with sugary fluids, but hydration with water. And uh, we've been able to show that this whole pathway that causes this, this, this uh, switch, the way fructose works, is linked with a hormone associated with uh, dehydration. And that hormone is called vasopressin. And you can measure, some doctors can measure serum vasopressin levels for you. Uh, there's a, a, the blood test is called copeptin. And it's available like in some areas of the country and, and world. 
uh, we have a, uh, we're able to measure it. And people who are overweight, uh, people who are um, diabetic, people with kidney disease, uh, my bet is as you age too, we'll see, we'll have uh, higher levels of vasopressin because uh, they're, they're showing more signs of dehydration. Um, and so um, uh, there's studies that show that the average person who's obese is about six times to 12 times more likely to be dehydrated than, uh, than another person. And that I believe is gonna be, will be associated with activation of the switch, the oxidative stress and with aging. And so um, I, I would say that probably the greatest pearl I can give you is, the, the, you know, to tell you that this idea of drinking six to 10 glasses of water a day, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had my water with me. Where's my water? I'm aging right in front of you. But a, a, anyway, but I would, uh, I would just say that, uh, that hydration which I'm sure you've been promoting forever, really has a scientific basis. And those people running around with their water bottles that look really young, they are really young. And it's they're, they're, they're keeping themselves young by hydrating, suppressing this hormone vasopressin, blocking the fructose effects. And we can block fructose effects by drinking, by giving water to animals. It's like a another antidote to sugar. So low carb diets are great, um, but also, you know, make sure you're really well hydrated, drink a lot of water. Um, and so, uh, I don't know, do you want to say, tell me about you, you and, um, you know, what, what you're doing in terms of promoting hydration. Absolutely. Well, I will share a few things that I'm doing right now. So as some of you may know, I'm going to be headlining a huge biohacker live summit. Register for that one also at rachelvarga.ca forward slash events. And I'm going to be sharing the stage with people like Tony Robbins, JP Sears, Dr. Gundry, Dave Asprey, the legends in the space of human optimizing our human potential. So what I'm doing to get ready for this to trim a couple extra pounds also, because the camera adds about 10, it's really not fair. So what I'm doing is I'm actually taking my husband's advice as a professional athlete. When he competes on the world stage, he's a six-time pro world champion kickboxer. He follows an extremely low-carb diet leading up to his event. And you've, you've opened up the gateway for me here. This is fascinating. So hear me out. So I'm doing it for aesthetic reasons to focus on a low-carb diet. Usually I'd have actually quite a bit of rice in my diet. And even just two days of having very little carbohydrates in my diet, I'm already looking at my waistline being like, whoa, look at those abs. <laughs> and I feel great. I, I have energy. I'm focusing on my hydration. But this is really fascinating to move to that more low carb, low salt high hydration type of diet, which is very contrary to what we are told. And for my husband, when he does this leading up to events, um, he, and he's doing actually quite a bit of fasting. So I've been told through other experts here on the show that I've interviewed, he's getting a huge surge of human growth hormone when you are doing this type of weight cut 
uh, in your lifestyle. So there's a couple of companies that actually are doing testing for comparing your chronological versus biological age and uh, shout out to biome they just sent me their full body intelligence test kit use promo code varga for special savings on your test kit but i'm going to be actually the first canadian to do this sorry dave asprey i'm beating you to it and i have a feeling how they're testing the biological age because i have asked them how are you testing this by the way i'm just curious uh, but obviously it's proprietary, so they can't share that. But I have a feeling it's they are looking at the C-reactive protein levels and the inflammation levels. So that's interesting. And yeah, definitely, if you're doing your yearly checkup with your doctor, by the way, even though we have a physician here on the show, this is not medical advice, educational information only. If you think you have a medical condition, you must seek the guidance of a licensed physician. But maybe ask to have your C-reactive protein levels looked yeah. at. And to get better energy, to slow your aging, move towards, like you're saying, that low-carb diet, high-hydration diet, low-salt diet. And you made me think of something. I thrive in the cold. We had a very cold winter here. We got down to about minus 10 degrees here in the Pacific Northwest. And I thrive in it. I got energy. I feel amazing. And I feel like a slug or a sloth <laughs> in the heat. I don't do as well. And now I understand why is because that heat is a stress on my body. It's actually putting my mitochondria under yeah. stress. So I always want to stay cool, stay hydrated, but at the same time, doing your sauna sessions for detoxification purposes yeah. is amazing, but yeah. make sure you're consuming very high amounts of water while you're doing that to very likely counteract any c-reactive protein and uh, other pathways from happening and i do actually notice a difference with the skin of my clients that live in different states and countries in the world those that are in the north and the pacific northwest like i am when i have my off-grid days in nature it's a little bit cooler than in the city here i notice the difference in my skin uh, up to a couple of days to a week later and some of my clients in more of the southern hotter states it's just across the board. They're seeing more loss of collagen and elastin, more thinning skin, more signs of photo damage. So sunspots and things like that. So I hear you. And anecdotally, I will also support what you just said, that I am noticing this in my clients that live in different climates. Do you have anything to add to that? No, I think you're exactly right in there. Um, you know, our work on, on heat stress and climate uh, the, the, the paper will come up fairly soon, but I, I really do think that it can activate the switch and stimulate aging. And, and so staying uh, well hydrated and making sure you don't overheat too often. I do, I do agree with you about the saunas too. And so this is really what I'm talking about is chronic heat exposure. Um, well, another uh, thing uh, that I would recommend for a pearl for you, for the listener is to measure your serum sodium, your doctor, measures it all the time. They never tell you what it is, but there is emerging data showing that, the, you know, serum sodium reflects your hydration state. And there's now data coming out that if your serum sodium is even in the normal range, but if it's like, so the normal range is like 136 to 144. But if your serum sodium is over 142, it means you, your salt concentrations are high. You're not drinking enough water. And what, what uh, they're now linking it to aging. In fact, uh, there, there's a study that looks at biologic aging versus chronologic aging. 
And if you have a serum sodium of over 142, you have like a over 60% chance of, of having more rapid biologic aging. So this, the, you know, the, the evidence is there. Staying hydrated is really a, a, a very important thing to do. Um, and you can measure your hydration. A simple way, you, you don't even have to go to the doctor. If you just look at the color of your urine, if your urine is dark yellow, you're not drinking enough water. If your urine is like clear like water, you're drinking too much water. You want the urine to be just slightly, the lightest tinged yellow. And that's like an ideal uh, amount of hydration. If you are, um, you know, like a marathon runner or uh, if you've had heart disease or if you're about to have surgery, uh, there are some data that you can over drink water and you can get into trouble. So um, if you have any concerns, talk to your uh, physician. Uh, and if you're a marathon runner, just drink to thirst for now, because we haven't totally figured out what the problem is. But people who are exercising for like more than three hours, especially runners, uh, can, can over drink uh, during the run and uh, become, have a low urine sodium or low serum sodium and that can be a problem. I, I actually think we may be able to figure out the cause of that. And um, so, uh, but at the moment we, there's no, we, we, we uh, I would just tell you to restrict, uh, you know, just drink to thirst for that group. But staying hydrated is absolutely um, the easiest, one of the easiest things you can do to keep good hydration of the skin. It's doing more than just making the skin look good. It's actually blocking those mitochondria from making a lot of that uh, oxidative stress that's causing aging. So it's, it's actually being well hydrated keeps the skin full, but, but it's more than that. It's actually biologically working to help you uh, not age. So um, reduce your salt, reduce your sugar, try not to eat a lot of high glycemic carbs, do exercise to keep those mitochondria strong. Hydrate with water. Uh, do the cold, you know, cold exposure intermittently, or uh, and saunas and all those things. Those are all great. Um, but you know, just a little bit of stress. A little bit of stress is the body good, like you said, to stimulate yes. the immune system. That little bit of inflammation to make yes. sure that our immune systems are functioning optimally. Correct? Yes. 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 Yes, that is absolutely true. So anyway, so those are the, those are my pearls. Um, that many of them probably you already know. Um, so uh, dark chocolate uh, actually has things that's very good for mitochondria. Uh, over seventy percent chocolate. Vitamin C is um, good, but it it can you have to be a little careful with it if you're actively exercising because. Um, if you take too much vitamin C, it, it can actually block the growth of the mitochondria. And so a low dose stimulates, but a high dose may, may block, ironically. So you don't want to be taking mega doses of vitamin C, but like 500 milligrams a day, perfect. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned the vitamin C because I actually have a supplement. It's called Collagenics on my e-store at rachelvarga.ca. And it supports healthy soft tissue function. Right. Right. And there's vitamin C in that. And there's all these other cofactors as well. So that makes perfect sense. Tonight, have your 70% plus dark chocolate with 
copious amounts of water. <laughs> Switch out the red wine with your dark chocolate to water. And one thing I wanted to just give a shout out to is I just did a house and home audio only session on the Rachel Varga podcast where I talk about water filtration. So no tap water, don't drink out of plastic bottles and make sure your water is reverse osmosis. So like the AquaTrue on my favorites page is a, is a great inexpensive countertop option. Water tastes delicious. Structure it with your somavetic this little green thing behind here that you'll find on that favorites page too and if you're if you're out in the world and you need some water and you don't want to get plastic water go for a uh, filtered mineral carbonated water that's in a glass bottle uh, that's something that i'll do in a pinch and sometimes even add the tart cherry concentrate from the perium cleanse that i'm doing a second round of loaded with antioxidants, mix that with your water. Yes, there's, I think, eight grams of carbs in a serving. But what you just said with naturally occurring fruits, there's other things in there, like antioxidants, like fiber that actually help to mitigate the carbohydrates. Because that's one thing that you answered my question is like, oh, I really want to have this product, but I'm following a low carb kind of deal to look my best on stage and all that stuff. Uh, so that one's okay. So thank you for uh, confirming that. <laughs> So where Thank can people, you. yes, where can people learn more about you? Uh, fabulous returning guests here, Dr. Richard Johnson. Where can people work with you, learn more about you and pick up your book, Nature Wants Us to Be Fat? Well, my book does have a lot more information than what we just talked about. So I would encourage people to get Nature Wants Us to Be Fat because um, it really, it's based on science. Uh, it's got a lot of uh you know, important findings in there that could really make a difference clinic, uh, to you. Uh, I also, we, we have a website, drrichardjohnson.com. I have an Instagram that I use Fairmount, uh, Dr. Richard J. Johnson. And those are really the main ways to reach me or through our publisher. There's a way you can reach me that way too. Um, and I have to tell you, Rachel, I've really, enjoyed listening to you uh, as well. And, and uh, I want to, uh, you know, go to your site more and learn more about your different products. So it, you've got me interested. Uh, and so thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm very particular to offer in the space of supplements, third-party independent lab-tested products. You're never going to see me endorsing anything that is, uh, you know, the quote unquote, next best thing, <laughs> silver bullet. It's got to go through the gamut. It's got to go through the independent third party lab testing, as well as skincare products. A lot of the products I use, I've worked with these companies since 2011. And I see what my clients keep coming back for. So I uh, am so grateful yeah. for each and every one of you listening for your trust. Uh, I sleep very well at night knowing that I'm doing my best to uh, support you in the best way that I know how with the highest intention and integrity. Dr. Richard Johnson, it's a pleasure having you back on the show. And do you have any final closing words, closing thoughts for these wonderful, vibrant, high vibe souls here on the show? Well, I, you know, I think that we've gone through the biggest one, try to avoid sugary beverages. Uh, that is the absolute worst thing that, you know, in terms of activating the switch, it's liquid sugars. So um, anytime you fruit juice, I, I would personally avoid, there are good things in fruit juice, 
but um, I would avoid it. It's linked with obesity, which activates the switch. Sugary beverages. Uh, and drink lots of water and listen to Rachel. That's my final word. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, in Thank case you. you're watching this here on YouTube, Facebook, I am si sipping my green juice from Organifi. It's delicious. Ooh. It's It's got like less than five grams of, uh, I, I'm sorry, it's less than 30 calories. And it tastes really nice and sweet. All their products are just incredible tasting. Use promo code Varga and save, I think it's like 20% right now on your order. Organifi is delicious. So if you want that like sugary, sweet type of drink without the glucose and fructose and the whole cascade that goes along with that to make you inflamed, it's uh, very deceiving because it's very sweet. But I guess what you said with all these other wonderful cofactors, it actually um helps with that so that your body isn't undergoing this cascade of glucose to fructose to uric acid to oxidative stress on the mitochondria the c-reactive proteins we got to keep that skin clear we got to keep that skin glassy we need to stay pure ourselves and keep our meat suit our machinery that we have to do this work in the world running optimally. So thank you so much, Dr. Richard Johnson, for joining us here again on the Rachel Varga podcast. And I look forward to having you back. And also, I hope to meet you in the flesh in Scottsdale in about two months and welcoming you into, um, you know, my network that I've been a part of for many years, JJ Virgin, Dave Asprey, Dr. Mercola, join the club, you will be in your tribe. I can't wait to meet you in the person there. In person uh, that will be a lot of fun to meet you. Thank you so much for having me on your show and um, good day. <laughs>